website. Give the number to WBAI.org. Goodbye. Looking for coverage of the New York presidential primary election? Don't turn that dial because WBAI has got you covered. WBAI brings you three hours of election coverage. Get the very latest as it happens. Our in-studio hosts and political analysts bring you reactions across the world and detailed analysis of election 2016 that you won't be able to get anywhere but right here on WBAI. Tune in Tuesday, April 19th to WBAI 99.5 FM and online at WBAI.org. This is New York's finest election coverage. Good evening, and welcome to Housing Notebook on WBAI, WBAI 99.5 FM in New York City, and WBAI.org on the web. The show you're listening to is Housing Notebook. My name is Vajra Kilgour, sitting in for Scott Somer. And as you know, Housing Notebook is a production of the Metropolitan Council on Housing, you can find us at our hotline. Call our hotline at 212-979-0611, Monday and Wednesday from 1.30 to 8 p.m., Friday from 1.30 to 5 p.m. 
We're also at the, on the web at metcouncilonhousing.org, active at metcouncilonhousing.org. I'll repeat all this at the end of the show. Find WBAI at WBAI.org, which is live streaming. You can find the archive there. Do join the radio station there. Do become a WBAI buddy. Go on out there and become a BAI buddy. It's a very small amount of money every month, and it will seriously help to stabilize this radio station and be able to cut down on on-air fundraising in general. So go out there and do that. You can uh, write to us at Housing Notebook at Chins. Please call the hotline, 212-979-0611, with your housing questions. That's Monday and Wednesday. You can find us on Facebook at Met Council on Housing. You can follow us on Twitter at at, at Met underscore Council. Scott Somer is at SCI at, at WBAI. We have just a few things to announce here. Rent Guidelines Board meetings. Thursday, Asian Commission Conference Room in the Municipal Building, 1 Center Street, 9th Floor, and same place. Tuesday, May 3rd at 7 p.m., it looks as if there will, they will be holding the preliminary vote at the Proshansky Auditorium at the Graduate Center at CUNY, which is at 365 Fifth Avenue in the basement between 34th and 35th Streets. For more information and to get updates, go to www.nycrgb.org because they do reserve the right to cancel, change, rearrange, whatever they decide they want to do. But make sure you turn out, because although you may not testify at these next two meetings at the, in the uh, municipal building, you can hear the invited testimony of tenants and landlords of apartment and hotels on the 21st, and you'll get an idea of what they're up to, and you'll show your face in the place. Let them know. They're making decisions about human beings. The other thing I want to announce quickly is that the WBAI Local Station Board is today, April 13, starting at 7 p.m. at the ARC Senior Center at 120 West 140th Street. We have been apprised that the general manager, Berthold Reimers, will be in attendance along with the interim program director, the interim development director, and the interim operations director. So if you have questions for them, please do turn out. About half the board has been staying away from the interesting discussions although we, the board hasn't been able to get any business done. But if you want more information and sign a petition to ask the missing members to attend, go to justiceunity.org. I kind of ran through that because I have two guests tonight, and I want to get to the tenant's weather report right away, and then we'll get our guests on the phone shortly after that. So here we go. Here is the deal with regard to heat and hot water. From October 1st through May 31st, we are not at May 31st yet. We're in April from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. If the outside temperature falls below 55 degrees, the inside temperature must be at least 68 degrees everywhere in your apartment. From 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., if the outside temperature falls below 40 degrees, the inside temperature must be at least 55 degrees everywhere in your apartment. Hot water in a minimum, 120 degrees at the tap. That's 24-7, 365, or 6, as may be the case this year. 
And if you don't have heat and or hot water, call 311 to report it and call our hotline at 212-979-0611 for help with organizing your building to get what you have coming to you. Let me see if I can get my guess with what's left of this song. Oil in the boiler? No good. Oil in the burner? No good. Is it cold? No. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, people. Get hot. member Ben Kalos on the air. Ben, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> I'm here like dealing with a thousand machines. So um, next up is one of which has to do with something I just announced, which is the Rent Guidelines Board. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on Housing Notebook. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. See, where you're coming from here on the Rent Guidelines Board, if you may, if you can, or if you'd like to. Absolutely. The Rent Guidelines Board is this official body that many people don't know about, but they set the rent for nearly one million residents in New York City who live in rents, SROs, and other types of housing like that. And it's incredibly important uh, that we make sure that those rents actually go down. So this year, we want them to go down. Yes, please. <laughs> We've been asking that for a while, actually. And the basis of that is some of them know, but not all do. And you're quite right that a lot of people do not know about the Rent Guidelines Board, do not know that these rent increases are not come from some unknown place in the stratosphere and just magically appearing on their... On their uh, so Absolutely. Right. And over the last how many years have we been having rent increases that are... Every year, other than last year, when we run won a historic rent freeze, or we can start pushing for a rent rollback to start to adjust uh, all those times that they increased rent and inflation was negative. Uh, for the past 20 or so years, the Rent Guidelines Board has increased rents uh, in a way that has outpaced the Guidelines Board is only supposed to provide a rent increase for owners' expenses. It's called the PIOC. Nobody knows exactly what it is. The equation isn't transparent. But it's hard to imagine that owners' expenses are exceeding inflation. For years, been pointing out that they don't open their books, that the that their guidelines have been going up at astonishing rates. And what happens? We get higher guidelines. Absolutely. And I believe that uh, in 2009, at the height of the recession, 
uh, we saw an 8.5% increase, and that's just one example. Right. It was it was uh, astounding, actually. And even prior to that, because uh, people have sort of pointed out that since 2008, the rents have gone up well, well, well above the, what could possibly be the landlord's cost, uh, and that their profits have risen steadily. But even before then, going way back into the 90s, or actually ever since the rent guideline boards was found, rent guidelines, sorry, rent guidelines board was founded, rents have been going up at a much higher rate than inflation would warrant, and have guaranteed ever increasing profits to landlords. Uh, sure, I can go into a little bit of the numbers. This is a good chance for uh, listeners to get a cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's called the price index of operating costs. It's the PIOC. Uh, since 2005, it's uh, overstated landlord costs by 11%. And over the past 20 years, uh, the Rent Guidelines Board have outpaced the Consumer Price Index. That's set by the federal government, by the Department of Labor, by 14%. So that means that if you're paying $500 a month for an apartment in 1994, it's now a minimum of $906 a month with an annual rent over $10,874. Following the same inflation, the same unit would only be $786 a month or $1,438 less a year, which means more money in people's pockets. Right, and also because inflation doesn't affect other things, it's, we're looking at a lot less money in people's pockets when the rent goes when the rent goes up like that, exactly. It's uh, people having to choose between food and rent, uh, between medication and rent. Uh, a lot of folks will uh, chant at our rallies that uh, when they pay their rent, uh, there's not much left. Right, but that doesn't seem to be an issue for the landlords. The issue for the landlords is, yeah, but you have a couple. Do- you still have a couple dollars, and we want them. They'll say, but but if they're still alive and they're still in their apartments, they must have a couple extra dollars lying around somewhere that they can get up off of to give us a higher rent. And I think one of the things that we've seen is that a lot of landlords who have purchased rent-stabilized buildings have a profit motive to displace rent-stabilized tenants. And one of the results is that folks don't have anywhere to go in homelessness in the city. We're at 58,000 people in our shelters, and that doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from the fact that people are being forced out of affordable housing. We've got 23,000 children who wake up in a shelter every morning and go to public school. We've got 17,000 of their family members in the shelter system. So that's about 40,000 people, just in families, many of whom are children. And when a family gets forced out of a rent-stabilized unit or other unit, uh, that's where they end up. And we can and must do better. Yes. Uh, there are studies have shown, I, I believe, that children who are made homeless are traumatized in a way that's only comparable to war. I have heard. I think, I, I think the, the to uh, deserve being forced from their home and made homeless and uh, we as a city should do more, and one thing we can do is make sure that the rents stay low so people can afford to live in the affordable housing that remains. Right, and of course we know that part of the incentive to 
evict rent-stabilized tenants has to do with the fact that our, the laws are made up in Albany, and I know you have some feelings about the necessity of rent stabilization. Uh, absolutely. It's what's protecting folks. And uh, the reason the law is set on Albany is because of a state law called the Erstat Law. And actually on April 19th, there is a special election out on Long Island in the uh, uh, old seat of corrupt and indicted and convicted Senator Dean Skelos. Oh, Dean. And if we can uh, replace that seat from Republican to Democrat, we might have a Democratic majority in the Senate and could repeal things like the Erstat law so that the city could take control of its rent laws to do is see how they can get involved in helping voter turnout and making sure that we get a Democratic senator elected from that district. And uh, they should just reach out to the campaign mm -hmm. and uh, hop on out and help with getting and turning out the vote. Good. Now, I understand that you have, you, you along with others, have introduced a couple of bills. Actually, it was last year that had to do with the, uh, the dreaded tenant blacklist. And the non-registration of rent-stabilized apartments in buildings that got tax breaks. Absolutely. So um, I think one thing I do want to start with is uh, how listeners can find out if they're in a rent-stabilized unit. Mm -hmm. So many of your, unit, your listeners probably already know because their landlord might have told them, or they may have been in this unit going way back when. But if your building was built before 1974 and has six or more units, uh, if your monthly rent is below 2700 because once the rent exceeds that number, the unit can exit rent stabilization program through something called luxury decontrol, or if you're in a building that receives 421A or J51 tax credit that was built recently, uh, specifically if you won a lottery to get that unit. So one of the bigger problems is people may move into a unit and not know, protected from uh, being forced out of your unit or even from uh, free market rent increases and that that's being done by the Rent Guidelines Board. So uh, if somebody's interested in finding out whether they're rent stabilized, they can email rentinfo, one word, at nyshcr.org or call 718-739-6400. The reason this is important is because reporting by ProPublica found that owners of 15,000 buildings in New York City who had received over $100 million in property tax reductions for having affordable units had failed to register with the state which means we should have around anywhere between 50,000 and 300,000 units of affordable housing that people might be paying more than they should. And in fact, the Associated Press today had an announcement from the state that said that they had recovered 50,000 improperly deregulated apartments in New York City and restored $2.25 million an overcharged rent. That, so, when I'm just wondering, and also, could you just repeat the uh, the email? Just to write it down. 
rentinfo at nyshcr.org, R-E-N-T-I-S-H-C-R.org. Great. So my question actually is because I was looking at some of the uh, information apartments, it <laughs> seems to be that in the studies those apartments are mostly in the new uh, buildings that are going for our um, God knows how many apartments in older buildings that don't buildings, but are also not being registered. Is that the three? Would, they, would that be the one that the number that takes us up to three hundred thousand? I believe just the three hundred thousand is just with um, the four twenty one A and J fifty ones, but uh, that is correct. The rent stabilized uh, units that aren't being registered. Uh, could be much larger than anyone imagines, which is why I introduced legislation that would require every single landlord in this city uh, with multiple dwellings, uh, more than four apartments in their building, if they have affordable housing, to register with the city. Mm -hmm. If they don't register with the city, they would have steep fines of $2,000 per unit per month uh, indexed to inflation. And once all those units were registered, we'd have an idea of where everything is. And if there was a vacancy, folks could actually apply for all the affordable housing in the city through one location. On top of that, because a lot of people have been having trouble with Housing Connect, where you might win the lottery for one of these affordable housing units that's being built in the new luxury buildings, only to find out that you make $5 too much. Uh, so the system would actually take your tax information and make sure it matches you to the right apartments so we stop getting false positives and people who win the lottery only to find out they didn't. I think it's brilliant, actually, considering that the state has our hands somewhat tied with regard to changing the nature of rent stabilization. But here, at least, you're able to bring something at the city level that has to do with enforcement and, and sim really simply getting information out where it's needed. It's actually modeled off of campaign finance. New York City has public matching so that small dollar donors have more power in elections. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways we did that was by setting up a set system in the city in addition to the state. So when people run for office, they have to file with the state and the city, but in that way, the city can set additional requirements and work with folks to make sure we know where every single one of those dollars is coming from. And while I've got your listeners listening, uh, anytime anyone asks you for political support, go to the CFB website, nyccfb.info, and check whether or not that person is taking money from real estate developers. And uh, if they are, tell them, in exchange for your support, you want them to give back those dollars. Thank you. That is good. But I, I love this this um, bill that you brought. You brought this one and the one with regard to the blacklist. It seems as if they were introduced quite well. Not a year seems like a long time in city politics. Uh, the registration and application bill mm -hmm. uh, was introduced with uh, Council Member Jamani Williams. That should be a uh, name that folks. Uh, recognized because he is the chair of the housing committee. Right, and it does and, resonate with a lot of our readers, our, our listeners. And uh, he is a huge champion, and it's called Introduction 1015, and it's already gotten a hearing. It almost, I think it got a hearing within uh, 
I think, a month or two of being introduced, uh, mainly because of the leadership of uh, Chairman uh, Jamani Williams. And so as part of the mandatory inclusionary housing and zoning and equality and affordability, uh, we are requiring that HPD, the Housing Preservation and Development uh, Agency, must create a tracking system. And so we're hoping that uh, we are able to negotiate and pass Introduction 1015 soon so that whether it's mandatory inclusionary housing or rent-stabilized units or fork of all the affordable housing in the city that we are paying for with our tax dollars. These are not giveaways from developers. Mm-hmm. Every single one of your listeners is paying for others aren't. Mm-hmm. And making sure that we have that list, that we're holding the landlords accountable, and making sure that any one of your listeners who may not be in rent-stabilized housing can get into rent-stabilized housing as part of one of these uh, lotteries or waiting lists. Right, which lately has seemed all but impossible. Um, so then the other one, we just have a few minutes, but the, the blacklist uh, one, the blacklist has been very confusing, actually. It, it seemed very straightforward when the, when this, when the uh, housing court was selling names, addresses, all the information, and they said, oh, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to sell something different like the, 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 re- the case record number. And so... When we're on our heartline, we have to tell people you do run the risk of being on a blacklist if you're taken to court by your landlord, even if you win, and even if the case is thrown out of court, even though they claimed to have made a change. So what would your bill do to really put it – and, and it prevents people from withholding rent when they have uh, – when they ought to be able to withhold rent, when they're not getting what they're paying for. So what would your bill do? This legislation builds – Builds on work by State Senator Liz Kruger and Assemblymember Danny O'Donnell, just as you said, to convince the courts to stop selling our case files to landlords. And so we've uh, introduced legislation with Councilmember Rory Lansman, Alan Mizell, and Mark Levine. And this would say that if somebody puts you on a blacklist, Uh, that that would be a human rights violation because anyone should be able to go to court without having them that used against them. So a lot of the time what happens is if you go to court, even if you are the one bringing the landlord to court, the fact that you're in housing court is used against you. It gets added by uh, tenant data companies like CoreLogic, Safe Rent, TransUnion Rental Screening Solution, and ALM, and they sell it as part of a credit report to landlords who use that to screen. So it's one of those situations where you may have a bad landlord and you may want to get out, but just because of the fact that you've been in housing court, it means you're not going to be able to get in anywhere else. And uh, the larger problem with that is even if you can afford to find a new place to live, if none of the landlords will rent to you because of the fact that you are in housing court, uh, then that just means you end up with those 23,000 children, Mm 17,000 family members, and 12,000 single adults Mm -hmm. uh, who are in our shelter system because they don't have anywhere they can go. So I love that. It's brilliant that you, you have made it a human rights issue because essentially it is punishing people for exercising their right 
to, for example, withhold payment for a service they're not getting or to be in court, to have their day in court. One of the other big important pieces of this is very few people can afford a lawyer. But when it's a human rights violation, you can make a complaint to the Commission on Human Rights at the city. They, the city, pays for an investigator. They, the city, pays for an attorney. And everything happens without the tenant really having to do much other than file the complaint and show up for questioning or a hearing so that they can win their case and get paid. Great. That is great. I just want to do a brief uh, station identification. You are tuned to WBAI 99.5 FM in New York City and WBAI.org on the web where you can join us and become a WBAI buddy. Please do that. And I have on the line Councilmember Ben Kalos. You are on the Upper East Side, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Upper East Side and some other neighborhoods? I represent the Upper East Side, East Harlem, East Midtown, and Roosevelt Island. And I just wanted to mention that every year the Rent Guidelines Board has to vote on what to do with rents. They can vote to increase it, as they have almost every year other than last year. Well, last year, I'm sorry, last year they did vote to increase it for a two-year lease. That's correct. But they did do a rent freeze on the one year, and uh, this year we're fighting for a rollback. And the way that works is I need everyone who's listening and anyone you know to come out to hearings and make your voice heard and explain why there should be a rollback, and uh, you can... Keep up with what's happening by signing on at bencalos.com to keep updates. Or better yet, you can join the Metropolitan Council on Housing, which does this show, at metcouncilonhousing.org. You can become a member, you can support the organization, and you can get updates on when and where you need to be to make your voice heard and get your rent lowered. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for the plug. And thank you so much for being on the air with us. My pleasure. And last but not least, elected officials sometimes do the right thing, but they usually do the right thing when the people make their voices heard. And even when we do the right thing, it works much better when we act with the people. So everyone listening, I need you to make your voice heard. Come out to the Rank Guidelines Board hearings and make sure that they hear the voices of the people of the city of New York. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Have a lovely evening. Okay. We have just heard from Councilmember Ben Kalos, uh, who is definitely fighting the good fight. His constituents are some lucky people. And we're going to move on to another topic. And so I will give you some nice music to listen to while I get our next guest on the phone.
once again, with any luck, we have on the air with us a guest, Charles King of, Hous of Housing Works. Charles, are you there? Whoops. Charles King from uh, Housing Works, are you there? Yes, I am. Great. Um, if you can speak up a little bit, we're, I'm, I've got the board the level up as high as it'll go. Okay, is that better? Yes, that's much better. Thank you. No problem. So uh, Charles King is the president and CEO of Housing Works, and you all have been raising some sand in Albany, as I understand. And uh, can you tell our listeners what that's about? Sure. Um, on uh, World AIDS Day, December 1st of this last year, uh, Governor Cuomo made a very important announcement. Um, he announced that um, he was committing to put $200 million in this year's budget to fund the blueprint to end the AIDS epidemic in New York State. Uh, the governor uh, made a commitment to end AIDS as an epidemic um, on Gay Pride in 2014, appointed a task force to develop the blueprint. I co-chaired that task force, and last April he called for its full implementation. Um, instead of funding the blueprint, um, he put uh, in his state of the state that he meant to make that commitment over five years. And in fact, um, in terms of actual dollars uh, appropriated in the budget, only appropriated $10 million in new money for ending the epidemic. Um, the community coalition that has been responsible for advancing this whole idea of ending AIDS as an epidemic in New York State by 2020 um, actually never asked for the $200 million um, with what uh, the city council and the mayor of New York put forward, what we believed that we needed for this year, um, was $70 million. So far we've only gotten 10, and um, we're looking to get at least 50 more, $50 million more in the housing bundle that is yet to be negotiated between the Senate, the Assembly, and the Governor. Um, so we're being very vocal in expressing our dismay at, um, at the Governor's failure to uh, honor his promise and, and advance um, the $200 million, his failure to advance $70 million, and we're calling on him um, to negotiate $50 million um, in rental subsidies for people living with AIDS and HIV throughout New York State who are low income. Um, Mayor Bloomberg has, uh, I'm sorry, de Blasio, Mayor Oops. de Blasio has already um, pledged to expand uh, HIV AIDS services, including rental assistance, to all people living with HIV who are income eligible in New York City, um, conditioned on a 50-50 split of that additional cost with with the state. Um, that would mean $33 million on the part of the city this year and $33 million on the state. We're also calling for the state to fund a $17 million program this year in rental assistance um, to cover parts of uh, parts of the state outside of New York City um, where they don't have access to uh, an income tax and are really subject to property tax, which is held at a 2% cap. Right. So, so basically what happened was that the governor did not put our money where his mouth was. Exactly. And how are we, the people, to go about making him put our money where his mouth is? It's our money. 
It, it, it absolutely is our money. Um, and as a matter of fact, what's really important is that um, they couldn't reach agreement on how to spend this housing money. It amounts to about $2.3 billion. And so what they wrote in the budget is that this would be agreed on through a memorandum of understanding, negotiation between the Assembly, the Senate, and the governor. In fact, there doesn't need to be any additional vote. This will be a memorandum of understanding signed um, by uh, Majority Leader Flanagan, uh, the, the, the Speaker in the Assembly, and, and the governor. Um, so, I, frankly, we need to be calling for all of them to make this investment. And what's, what's really important to appreciate about this money is that this isn't even tax dollars. This is settlement money. Uh, that the Attorney General, uh, I'm sorry, the New York State Attorney General um, secured through lawsuits against um, some of the major banks who had essentially committed fraud on mortgages um, that caused a lot of people to lose their housing in in the midst of the the uh, housing bubble and, and subsequent crash in, in 2007 and 2008. So this is money uh, that was gained from uh, illegal acts by banks that uh, caused homelessness, and we very much want to see this money go not only for housing but very specifically to provide rental assistance to ensure that everyone can be housed. So I would invite all of your listeners to um, let the Assembly know, let let the Senate know that this is a top priority and continue to let the governor know. We've been uh, being very vocal with the governor and um, have gotten a commitment that this would be included in the negotiations, but I think um, that's not going to be uh, good enough. This is very much caught in the governor's feud with the mayor. And... Um, so uh, the fact that, uh, in fact, I actually had a, a key uh, staff member to the governor object to the whole idea of expanding HASA because it was the mayor's idea. That's that's a quote. It's the mayor was the mayor's idea, and the governor isn't going to be caught following the mayor. Oh Lord, have mercy! And and HASA for our listeners who may not know exactly what that is. Uh, HASA is a division within, within the Human Resources Administration. Uh, it, it stands for, the acronym stands for HIV AIDS Services Administration, mm -hmm. and it manages all benefits for people living right now with uh, HIV and advanced disease progression, and we want to extend it to all people who are income eligible, low income people who are living with HIV. And this would include access to rental assistance uh, depending on their income as well as um, an enhanced nutrition and transportation allowance, all of which we consider essential for very low income people to maintain viral suppression and, and thus stop transmission of the uh, HIV virus. Right. So it's it um, this behavior on the part of the governor seems not unlike the behavior of Republicans in the federal legislature who just want anything that Barack Obama thinks of to be stomped into oblivion. Is this catching or something? And it's it's <laughs> unbelievably it's unbelievably immature and irresponsible. Well, I, I, I don't, I, I'm loath, um, as, as frustrated as I am, I'm loath to 
um, compare Governor Cuomo with with any of the Republican leadership. I don't think he deserves that by any means. But but I do think that right now, um, New York City and New York State is is suffering because of um, this very transparent enmity um, between the, the the mayor and the governor, and, and certainly. Um, by the governor towards the mayor, and and I I don't understand why um, grown-up, mature, progressive men can't come to an accord on what is best to do on behalf of especially the most marginalized and most needy of, of New York residents. Right, who have really done nothing to merit the treatment that they're getting. I mean, uh, it's as if it's as if the governor were using people with HIV and AIDS as a stick with which to beat the mayor, and human beings are not sticks. Well, They I, get we, hurt when they're used that I, way. Exactly. We also saw this last year around around um, the expansion of, of supportive housing. Once again, the, the mayor got out there and made a commitment to do it, and it's just... Um, Led to a negative reaction by the governor, and and I just don't think that's that's good governance. No, um, I would like to. We've we've covered this before, but it's been a while. Uh, if you could just explain exactly why it is so important for people with HIV and AIDS to have stable and dependable housing, because I'm sure people are listening saying, well, you know, what's what's that about? So, you know, it's not just HIV. One of the things that research has proven is for any serious chronic condition, housing is a very important health care intervention, but very specific when we're talking about HIV. If a person starts treatment um, soon after they become infected, before their, their immune system is compromised, um, they can live as long and healthy a life as as HIV negative, but the condition of that is that they have to take their antiviral day. It, it really is something that is is very unforgiving. We we and 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 on treatment for the rest of their life. Yeah. But what is what is most important about this is not only can you benefit yourself by being virally suppressed. But if you're completely virally suppressed and you maintain that, even if you engage in high-risk sexual activity, um, sharing needles, anything like that, you cannot transmit the virus to another person. It's virtually impossible to do that. So one of our main strategies for ending the epidemic in New York State is ensuring that every person who's HIV positive in care is retained in care, is getting their meds, and is staying virally suppressed. If you're profoundly homeless on the street, if you're in the shelter, there's many reasons why single day is not going to be the number one priority. In fact, um, there's a study uh, that's been being conducted for for well over a decade, probably two decades now, the CHAIN study, that tracks, and the single largest reason that people with HIV fall out of care is homelessness or housing instability. Once you don't have a stable place to live, or even if you're just facing eviction, 
um, you know, this consistently taking your medication becomes the last priority for you. And, and it's kind of obvious why. If, if you're in a shelter, you don't want other people to know that you have HIV, so you don't want to keep your medications on you or anywhere where they can be discovered. If you're on the street, um, it, it's very hard to maintain uh, a, a regimen and, and a diet that would allow you to take your medication. And even if, if you're living doubled up or, or facing an eviction, the, the stress of all of that makes adherence um, very, very difficult. Now, I want to point out that among adults in the United States with chronic disease, 33% uh, treatment adherence rate, as doctors recommend, already up to 62% viral suppression. So 62% of people who know they're HIV positive are on one end to an epidemic. We've got to get that up to something more like 90 or 95%. And the only way to do that is basic necessities of life um, and the ability to to be able to stay focused on right um, <coughs> sorry and there, there you were talking about the nu- the nutrition piece that to maintain a certain diet mm-hmm. and you're you were talking about funding for that piece as I understand it. Some person who is on public assistance right now or on Social Security, if you're $120 a month or so in food stamps, a single individual, if you're $80 a month in food stamps. So um, That's nowhere near. it's not enough to, to maintain a healthy diet and, and ensure that you... Um, and so, so, you know, a, a supplement of, on that of a long way in terms of helping people stretch their their resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, another issue with homelessness and housing instability, it's much harder to stretch your food resource. Um, if you're living on the street, if you're living in, in a commercial SRO, you don't have access to, to refrigeration, to cooking facilities, and all of the uh, plan out and, and work a, a, a good, healthy piece, actually, precisely because without a kitchen of your own, uh, it's very, very difficult to maintain a healthy diet. A healthy diet, generally, it's not it's not processed food. It's not right. bags of stuff that you buy in the middle aisles of the supermarket. It's the stuff you buy on the outer, you know, the outer aisles, the fresh fruits and vegetables, the, the you know, the whole grains, the protein, and that you then have to cook. It has to be cooked. So I actually this evening escorted a young man with HIV to the grocery store um, to buy uh, some supplemental food. And he he has no refrigeration other than a common refrigerator downstairs, which of course kind of leave anything of value in. No. Um, and he's got a, a a microwave. Anything else is is illegal to have in in his SRO room. So what am I buying him? I'm buying him canned soups. I'm buying him uh, Chef Boyardee. Um, you know all all stuff that. Um, you know, uh, high carb, high sugar, high salt, high everything that that um, he doesn't need to to be healthy. Right, but really the best he can probably afford and prepare where he is. Exactly, and 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 I will point out that if you a diet of Chef Baradi is not healthy for you, um, but it's also not inexpensive. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's another thing that that I often. I mean, obviously. If you don't have a place to cook, then the fact that um, 
some of the fresh food you might buy is no more expensive than the stuff that's not good for us, it does you no good. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, because the stuff that's no good for us is also not cheap, Right. alas. So, so basically what we're looking at here, to, to more or less sum up, is that the governor may said many brave words about bringing the AIDS epidemic in New York State to an end by 2020. Yes. Is that right? That's correct. And he now is not budgeting for it. That's, that's also correct. So you guys went up to Albany and raised some sand, as I understand, or a group of people, several groups of people went up to Albany and, and uh, made their voices heard. Yes, um, in the last week of the of the budget, um, uh, a coalition of folk attempted a 24-hour reading of the names of people who died of AIDS standing in the war room, which is kind of the anteroom to all of the uh, governor's staff. Um, the Capitol officially closes at 7 p.m., and so six people were arrested for trespassing because they insisted on staying after they were told to leave uh, to continue to, to, to read the names. Um, we were hoping that this effort would dramatize um, the importance that we're, you know, just wait until next year, that what we're talking about is saving thousands of lives who are already living with HIV and people who are at risk of infection whose risk for HIV positive stably housed and virally suppressed. And what were the, what were the savings and ultimate uh, outlays that you all had identified? So we identified um, once all of this housing, uh, and we took a, a very broad estimate of who might need housing support. So if you looked at all of the expenditures over the course of the next five years, to ensure all of these folks um, received housing. The net was something on the order of a $3 billion savings. Okay, so so it's kind of like for want of a nail, right? Exactly, right. exactly. Because I mean, the, the, the governor wasn't off on the $200 million number. If you look at what the investment is probably required over the next um, five years, it would probably ramp up to be $200. But frankly, 80% of the epidemic is, is in the city, and the city has, has offered to partner. And in fact, um, the city has now given the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene epidemic. Uh, that started this year, and it's in next year's budget. Um, and yet the comparable state agency $20 million, uh, to, to do the whole task statewide. And so it will get up to a $200 million a year spend over five years, but we think the savings is think the cost will be. Right, exactly. And so uh, what uh, helped the governor to move along? Well, I, I would suggest that folks uh, do uh, place a call or um, let him know that you want to see $50 million in this housing Memorandum of Understanding, uh, go to rental assistance for people with HIV. You can communicate exactly the same message to uh, the Assembly Speaker Hasty, um, and the same message to the Majority Leader in the Senate, uh, uh, Senator Flanagan. And in fact, I, I would also um, communicate as well with uh, the leader of the Independent Democratic Conference, Senator Klein. Um, they all need to hear that New Yorkers think that this is a priority. We have the money. The money has been allocated in the budget. They just need to insist that the governor negotiated a deal with uh, 
the mayor of New York, and then appropriate additional money for outside New York City. Okay, and if they want to get in touch with Housing Works? Um, sure. Um, 347-473-7400. Mm -hmm. um, and folks can even ask for, for me, and um, if I'm not in, my, my staff will be very happy to find someone who can talk with them and um, let them know what they can do. Great. Thank you so much. This has been extremely enlightening. Well, thank you. I very much appreciate your coverage of this very important issue. Well, we'll stay on it. Okay, okay thanks. Great. Good night. Good night. All right, and that was Charles King, who was the president and CEO of Housing Works, so we all have our marching orders. Um, just so you know, getting back to the RGB, the, the guidelines this year are 0% for a one-year lease and 2% for a two-year lease. That's if your um, your lease is over by the end of September. So bear that news. And please do give us a call at our hotline if you need help with a housing problem or want to get your building one. Monday and Wednesday, 1.30 to 8 p.m., Friday from 1.30 to 5 p.m. Email list at active at metcouncilonhousing.org or sign up for it on our website at metcouncilonhousing.org. And click your way through that. You can find us on the archives there, too. So thank you all very much for listening to lovely music inspired by some of our friends who like to call in when we open up the... where I sign up to get my medical oregano? You don't have to sign up for medical oregano. I don't need a medical oregano card? The medicinal properties of oregano are well known. I know. I heard it on WBAI. Even so. My brother was unable to speak, could not walk. We gave him oregano. And it cured him? First he started to crawl. Oh. Then he sort of toddled. Could he say anything? He said da-da. Oh. Then mama. And then he went off to kindergarten. And you owe it all to oregano. No, we owe it all to WBAI. Well, what about the oregano? 